0: Turn in your Bible to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians in chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I want you to look there in verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That is a mouthful. There's a lot of stuff said right there in those few verses. When Paul says, When we heard you had trusted Christ as your Savior, we began to pray for you. And we pray that in verse 9 you would be filled with with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's a good thing to pray for people. So if that's a good thing for Paul to pray for people, that's a good thing for you and I to have. Then he mentions in verse 10 that you might walk worthy. So you have to know truth and understanding and spiritual discernment in order to know how to live. So those two things go together, and all of it is because he has delivered us, and He hath sanctified us, and pasteurized us. He's made us pure in the Lord. And He says, because of the payment that Christ made on the cross for our sins. So that's a wonderful thing for us to have for our life. Know His Word, His will, and then do it. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 14. Luke, chapter 14. 14 Jesus is giving them a couple stories here verse 16 down to verse 24 he tells about a great supper and he says that he bade many to come he sent out servants in verse 17 saying come all things are now ready everything's ready that means nothing you have to do it's all ready and in verse 18, and they all with one consent began to make excuse. First said, I bought me a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said in verse 19, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to test them. I pray thee, have me excused. Now, you would have thought that he would have tested them before he bought them. Or when it says up there, I bought me a piece of ground. I got to go see it. Well, usually you would probably go see it before you bought it. That's why it's called an excuse. It's not the truth. Their reasons are simply a, a lie. But then he makes a statement. They came back and said in verse 20. Another said, I have married a wife. Therefore, I cannot come. He's the only one who told the truth. <laughs> He's already henpecked. I married a wife. I can't go. <laughs> oh, I could, I could get lost right here. But I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I have got control. I'm going to move right along so in verse 21 he says and so that servant came showed his Lord these things then the master of the house being angry said to his servants go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind and the servant says Lord it is done as thou hast commanded, yet there's still room. The Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come. My house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Because they wouldn't come. They don't get to eat. But everything that we read here is about something already been prepared. And they would not partake of it. So he says, get anybody. And generally it's most of the poor folks. Did you know? When you're talking about salvation, salvation has been paid for and is available to everybody. But a lot of people will not avail themselves of something that's already completed. Everything's done. All that we have to do to go to heaven is to accept the payment Christ made on the cross for us. And he would give us as a free gift everlasting life. And if it's everlasting life, it lasts forever. And if it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? Well, you get to go to heaven. So in this little story, he's talking about something that's free, doesn't cost you anything. Then in verse 25 to verse 35, it's talking about something that'll cost you everything. Ooh. Something free and something that's going to cost you. But something that's free is salvation. Salvation is always free. It doesn't cost you anything. It means you don't have to perform anything. You don't have to do anything. Ray Stanford always made this statement when he trusted the Lord. He says, The day he trusted Christ as Savior, he says, You mean I can trust Christ as my Savior and live like I please and still go to heaven when I die? And Clifton L. Fowler says, That's a crude way to put it, but God loves you that much. You mean I can trust Christ as my Savior and live like I please? Most preachers will tell you, You can't go to heaven if you when I live like you please. And yet that is the truth of the gospel. That's what lets you know then it has to be free. It must be by grace because I can accept it and live like I please. I don't have to serve the Lord. But when God says if we will serve the Lord He wants us to serve Him willingly. Not because I'm forced to but because I choose to. To come to the the supper it was a a choice that people can make. God does not make people accept Christ as their Savior. Once you trust the Lord God does not make you serve Him. Now there's consequences. There's consequences on those who miss out on the supper too. And there's consequences for those who know Christ as Savior and do not serve the Lord. But He says if you're going to serve Him there's a great price to pay. See there in verse 28, for which of you intended to build a tower set us not down first, count the cost. There's a cost involved. There's a price that has to be paid. And a lot of people begin but they don't finish. Did you know it takes faith to begin serving the Lord and faith to continue serving the Lord and faith to finish the race. I made up my mind years ago. I ain't finished yet. I want to serve the Lord all the days of my life. Now, I'm not serving the Lord to get to heaven. I'm serving the Lord because I'm going there. I want to. I do this thing willingly because I have the desire that I want to do this. So what I want you to do is take your Bible and turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20. There's a verse there I want to show you because it's... uh, very important that you understand the principle that is involved. You and I, when we trusted Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And When the Holy Spirit indwells us, He is to empower us. He is to teach us, to lead us, to guide us, give us everything we need to serve the Lord. All God is looking for is a willing vessel. Someone who wants to be used. Do you want to be used? That's the key. But look what he says here in Deuteronomy chapter 20, because not everybody is on the same page at the same level, has the same burden, same desire, the same spiritual understanding, and when you're limited in knowledge, you're limited in ministry. So not everyone serves the Lord to the same degree that someone else might. Some people are ready to say, look, I want to take the bull by the horns. I'm ready to go and get something done. And then there's others who say, well, I don't know. Well, would you just help just a little bit? Oh, okay. And little by little, some people get a vision. And when they get a vision, they get excited. Then they want to do it. If you've never done that and you've never caught a vision, it might explain why you don't want to do anything. But once you do, it should be that nobody can stop you. Because of the burden that you have. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 20, he says now in verse 1, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seeth horses and chariots and people more than thou, be not afraid of them. You say, oh yeah? You mean they're bigger than me? More than me? And I'm not supposed to be afraid? He says, for the Lord thy God is with thee. Oh, that makes it different. See, me and God, we can handle anything. Me and God can beat anybody. Between me and God, we're the smartest two people on earth. In the world. Me and God. What I don't know, he does. What I can't do, he can. Pretty good. So you don't have to be afraid. Be confident. Be bold. Look what he says. And it shall be in verse 2, when you are come nigh unto the battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people, and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel ye re- approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Get this, let not your heart faint, fear not, do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is He that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So what's the problem? And then he turns right around and he says something that seems like it's totally contradicted to this. You see the Lord has commanded all of us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But some people don't want to face that challenge. Because there's problems out there. All kinds of problems. And you might lose. There's people that don't like to be talked to. They might reject you. You could lose your job. You think of all the negative things that could happen to you. Look how many people there are. But he makes this statement here. Some of you are going to have reasons for not going into the battle. But he says in verse 5. What man is there that hath built a new house, and hath not dedicated? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man get it. What man is he that planted the vineyard, hath not yet eaten of it? Let him also go and return unto his house, and uh, lest he die in the battle, and another man get to eat of it. See, In other words, a man may not give himself wholly to the battle if he's thinking about something else. Did you know that you can take a vacation, and after about two days, you're ready to go home? You ever go see your in-laws? You haven't seen them in ten years, but after about two hours, you're ready to leave. You laugh because you know what I'm saying is true. Well, you know, that's the way it is in a lot of things. But you see, there's some people that, well, it's brand new. And they're concerned about their home, or they're concerned about their garden. He says, you know, maybe you're not ready yet you need to just to stay home because see we got a, a big job that needs to be done we got a, a war going on we, we got to have somebody that can give themselves totally to what's being done you got to be able to stay focused and you may not be as focused as you ought to be and so he makes a statement here in verse 7 well, what man is there that hath betrothed a wife and hath not taken her let him go and return to his house lest he die in the battle and another man take her wouldn't that be terrible Now, you can understand that. So, you know, for the first year, they weren't even supposed to go into battle. Supposed to stay home and just please his wife. Because after about a year, she's ready for him to go. And it says in verse 8, And the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted, in spite of what God said? Hey, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. See down there? When he makes the statement, I will be with you in verse 4. The Lord shall fight. He goeth with you to save you. What are you afraid of? And yet when Jesus told his disciples there in John chapter 14, be not afraid. Be not afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. Why are you afraid? People are afraid To step out by faith and serve God. They're afraid God is going to fail you. You know what he said? I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. I will not forsake you. Do you believe that? Yeah, there's a battle that needs to be fought. There's things that God wants us to do. But some people are not ready to put their hand to the plow. Because they keep looking back. And the Lord said, I want those that can look ahead. I want those that can follow. He said, and if you are not willing to do this because you love something else more. He says, you're going to be looking back instead of looking forward. And I believe this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to keep doing the things that is right. But he says, you're going to be faint-hearted. He says, look what he says. In the last part of verse 8, let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his. Because you see, everybody influences somebody else. And if you try to make people do something and their attitude isn't right, do you realize a bad attitude produces another bad attitude? That produces another bad attitude. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all of God's people had the right attitude? All of them want to serve the Lord. Did you realize that your attitude is affecting somebody else's attitude? Did you know that the wife influences the husband? You say, I didn't know that. It does. And the husband influences the wife. And the parents influence the kids. and The kids influence the parents. Everybody influences somebody. No man is an island unto himself. So therefore, every man is going to give an account of himself to God one day. So that's why we're to have the right kind of an attitude. But God wants those that are of a a willing attitude. Because that's what God wants. And it'll work God's way. Take your Bible and turn there while we're over there in the book of Judges. Look in the book of Judges in chapter 5. Judges chapter 5, God used judges, and uh, uh, they would go through their cycle. You know, they would obey, God bless, and then they would disobey, and God whoop them. And then they would be in bondage, and then they'd cry to the Lord. And then he would deliver them, and then he'd bless them. And then they would disobey and cycle. They just kept going in the cycle, like they never learned. Know anybody like that? Never seem to learn from what they've experienced. And they just keep repeating themselves. That's why history repeats itself. Because people don't learn their lessons. But notice what he says here in Judges. In chapter 5, there's a song that they're singing. Because God was able to use two women in the previous chapter to deliver them from their enemies. So when it got through, they said, let's sing a song. So it says there in verse 1, Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on on that day, saying, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel, when the people willingly offered themselves. I want you to notice something in that verse. You see, the children of Israel didn't want to do anything. Barak was scared to death. So God had to use a woman as a a lightning rod, you know, to energize them. And Barak says, I'm not going unless you go with me. So the woman says, I'll go with you. They had a great victory. God blessed. And so they're thinking about this. Because it says there in that verse 2, when the people willingly offered themselves. You ought to underline that. See, God wants us, yes, there's a war, there's a battle, but to do so willingly. Fight because you want to. When I get to heaven, I want the devil to have known who I was. He may know who you are, but I want to make sure he knows who I am. I don't want him to have to send his little bitty demons after me. He can send those after you. I want the devil to know that I yielded my life to the Lord. I was willing to face a lot of battles. And you know for 52 years, I've been fighting battle after battle after battle. But the battle is worth it. You see, some people, they want to make a six-foot splash in a six-inch mud puddle. You want to wear the medals, but you don't want to do the battle. Well, when the judgment seat of Christ comes and God rewards you for what you've done for them, you're going to have to have done something. But nobody can make you do that. It has to be real. It has to come from you. You have to realize there is a war. You're going to be fighting the devil. You're going to be fighting the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These things that lead you astray, offer you trinkets. Remember Jesus when he was tempted by the devil, he offered him the kingdoms of the world and he said no. But the old devil can just dangle up there a few little trinkets for you and I and man, we'll just grab at them and spend our whole life chasing these balloons that just pop and leave you empty. That's what happens, it's all vanity and vexation of spirit. doesn't satisfy him. Look down in verse 9. Down in verse 9 it says, my heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord. So it wasn't just the people, it was the leaders that willingly offered themselves. You see this is why it's so very important I've often wondered about the power of the Holy Spirit and things like that in situations like that. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Numbers in chapter 11. The book of Numbers in chapter 11. As you know, Moses had a few problems. About two and a half million of them. How would you like to be Moses? live in a desert for 40 years. He might not have ever had a filet mignon. I mean, he had manna for 40 years. And we whine. Look for what they had to go through. But look what he says there in Numbers in chapter 11. Look in verse 11. And Moses said unto the Lord, wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? I mean, what you got against me? I mean, what have I done wrong lately? God, why did you do this to me? He was content to be on the backside of the desert with his wife and kids. And for 40 years he was there. And then God said, hey, I got a job for you. He gave God five reasons why he was not the man for the job. And God had to tell him why he was the man for the job. And he kept giving one excuse after the other. The book of Exodus of why he was not the man. But he was the man. And so he says, wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight? That thou layest the burden of all this people upon me. What in the world have I done that you did this to me? Well, he says in verse twelve, Have I conceived all these people? I mean, I did these are not my kids. Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say to me, Carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father beareth a sucking child, unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers. When shall I have flesh to give unto all these people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. How can I take care of these people? We're out in the middle of a wilderness, and they want meat to eat. They're sick and tired of this manna that you've been giving them. And they complain. So here's Moses. What's he going to do? So he says in verse 13, When should I have flesh to give unto all these people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it's too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me. I pray thee out of thy hand. I, he said, If I have found favor in thy sight, let me not see my wretchedness. Don't let me see how weak I am. Don't let me see what a failure I am, because I can't provide. You've given me a bigger job than I can handle. Do you ever feel like that? He said, I don't want to see how bad I am. So the Lord told him, he said, look, I, I I can solve this problem. So he says there in verse 17, And I will come down, God said, and talk with thee there, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. He says, you get 70 men together, and I'm going to take the Spirit that I gave to you, and I'm going to spread it out among them so that they can help bear that burden. Did you know that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come upon a person to do the job? And if you want to have an idea, the difference that it made, all you've got to do is read the Scriptures. Because, you see, the people didn't have the wisdom that Moses had to make the decisions for the people. Because when you put two and a half million people together, you got problems. If you've got a hundred people, you've got at least a hundred problems you got 10 people, you got 10 problems. Because people are problems. Everyone who has a job is because somebody else has a problem. And we're all problem solvers. The reason we have church is because everybody has a problem. Believe it or not. Christ came into the world because the world had a problem. We're problem solvers. You're looking for answers. But look what he says. And it says, and they shall bear the burden of the people. With thee that thou bear it, not thyself alone. So he says, and I'm going to give them some flesh to eat. Verse 20, but even a whole month. He said, I'm not going to give them food just for one day. Because they kept crying, I want some meat to eat. He says, I'm not going to give it to them for a day. I'm not going to give it to them for a week. I'm going to give them meat for a whole month. till it comes out their nostrils. And verse 20, and even a whole month. Until it come out of your nostrils, and it be loathsome unto you, because that you have despised the Lord which is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? So Moses to get the people and tell them all of this stuff here. Look at verse twenty-three. And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hands wax short? In other words, there's a person that got a problem, but my hand, I got a short hand. I can't reach it. Now God can reach. God can do things because that's who God is. That's what God does. He's powerful. Me and God, well, we can handle anything. Me and God. Without Him, I can do how much? Nothing. But with God, you can do all things. You are supposed to believe that. The same Spirit that was upon Him dwells within us. Did you know you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you? And the Holy Spirit is to teach you the Word of God to give you wisdom and discernment so that you can know the things that God has for you. Now look what else he says. Look down verse 25. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took of the Spirit that was upon him, gave it unto the seventy elders... When he came to pass that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. In other words, God, the Holy Spirit, gave them wisdom on how to counsel two and a half million people. See, he was having to deal with them from morning till night. They needed spiritual discernment, understanding spiritual truths. Understanding what the Word of God said, the law of God, and teaching the people. And God enabled them to do it. They couldn't do it before. You know, I've seen a lot of Christians. They limit themselves by their own limited thinking. They don't realize that when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you got a new birth. A new birth with different talents and abilities to do things you couldn't do before. You see, you're still limiting yourself because of the limitations of the flesh. Otherwise, if you're only going to go by the talents and abilities that you have physically, what do you need the Holy Spirit for? What makes the difference? But there is a difference. Did you know the Holy Spirit living inside of you? If you yielded yourself to the Lord, He can teach you wisdom, give you understanding that you can't get no other way. It can change your life, and you can have the power that you need to make a difference. So they had it, and they were able to do so. Then they say, hey, there's two more that uh, they're they're not in the group, but they're over there prophesying. What should we do? Bring down fire from heaven and zap them. He said, no. In verse 29, and Moses said unto him, "Envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put His Spirit upon them. And yet here we are in the New Testament where the Bible says that when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were indwelt by the Holy Spirit, same Spirit that came on them, dwells in you. And if that can make a difference, then it can make a difference to you and to me. Now, this is very important, but there's a scripture I want you to see. In the book of Exodus 35. Turning your Bible to the book of Exodus. In chapter 35. Exodus chapter 35. We'll look at chapter 35. And also part of. Exodus 36. But in chapter 35. As you know. They were going through the wilderness. And they're going to make this. uh, Tabernacle. You remember that when. They were getting ready to leave Egypt. He said, I want you to spoil the Egyptians. Remember, they had worked for 400 years and had been paid very well. They were slaves. But because they were slaves, they lacked a lot of the intellectual ability to do a lot of trades, to work with metal and skins and curtains and silver and gold and all the things that needed to be done for the tabernacle. They'd been slaves. They didn't have the knowledge. So now they're asked to do something they had never done before. Well, interesting. Look here in verse 4. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take you from among you an offering unto the Lord. And you ought to underline this part whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. Remember, where'd they get all this stuff? Well, they had spoiled the Egyptians. It means that they finally got paid for all their labors. But maybe not all of them. But look in verse 6. And it says, "In the blue and the purple and the scarlet and the fine linen, goat's hair and all this stuff. All the way down to the... Look at verse 10. And every wise-hearted among you shall come, and make all that the Lord hath commanded. So the Lord commanded, and that they were supposed to fulfill this, but they had to have material. They had to have the silver, they had to have the gold, everything that they needed. Here, out right in the middle of a wilderness, they had. And God was going to do something for these people that they didn't know that they could do, they didn't have the wisdom the understanding, but God can qualify you for whatever it is He wants you to do. Did you know that if you dedicate your life to the Lord, yeah, there's a price to pay, but the Holy Spirit that lives within you can teach you things and give you discernment and spiritual understanding you didn't have before. God can give you talents and abilities you didn't have before. You see, you're going by what you did in the flesh, and you think that's the limitations of it. It's not the truth. Otherwise, what would be the purpose of being indwelt by the Holy Spirit if it makes no difference? It makes a difference. You may not be availing yourself of the power that's already within you, or the wisdom that you could have, the spiritual understanding you could have, If you would only let the Holy Spirit teach you and guide you through the pages of this book. Look there in Exodus chapter 35. Look there in verse 20 where it says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart, maybe not everybody, but everyone whose heart, and you ought to underline that word, stirred him up stirred him up and everyone whom his spirit made willing you see he wants the ones that wants to do it desires to do it willing to do it and look down in verse 20 and they came both men and and what men and what I can't hear you women say it again women so can God use women Evidently, you see, it applies to them too. Men and the women, as many as were willing-hearted. It means they weren't being forced to. They didn't have to. They wanted to. You see, the key to serving the Lord is the desire. I want the will of God for my life. I want to do something with my life. Look what he says in verse 23. And every man... Look in verse 24. Everyone that did offer an offering of silver and brass brought the Lord's offering. Every man. Every man. Look in verse 25. All the women that were wise hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun. They had to make certain things. And God, through the Holy Spirit, taught them and gave them talents and skills and ability and understanding they didn't have before. You see you can read that in the Old Testament but did you know in the New Testament God says in Colossians chapter 1 where we just read that you might be filled with all the wisdom of God and spiritual understanding and in the very next verse that you may walk worthy unto all pleasing to do the will of the Father. So How you doing? Are you learning the Word of God? Are you studying the Word of God? Do you realize that God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you to teach you and to lead you, to guide you? But He never leads you or guides you contrary to this book. It is the Holy Spirit, not unholy spirit. He'll never lead you to do that which is wrong. He never leads you astray. He never leads you contrary to the book. He never leads you to be ashamed to the Father by the things that you say and you do. It's never of God. That's the flesh, not the Spirit. Look what else he says down here. I want you to look down in verse 29. Verse 29. The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. And so all these things were done, and they learned talent, they learned ability, and God was able to bless them. Look what he says there in chapter 36. It says there, Then brought Bezalel and Aholiab, and every wise hearted man, get this, you're on the line, in whom the Lord Put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary. Did you see that? They didn't have it before. They couldn't do it before. You see, all God's looking for is a willing servant. A dedicated nobody that's willing to be whatever God wants them to be. And the Lord is able to teach you and give you talent and abilities to do whatever He it is, it is He wants you to do with your life. You say, "Well, I don't have the talent. I don't have the ability." That was before. Now you're a child of God. Things change. You don't know what you could do, or what you could be, what you could accomplish. Life is short. Learn all you can accomplish all you can because as you go through life you'll find out that your maturing always depends upon the things you've already learned and if you fail to pass these little tests back here you have to take them over some Christians never get out of K4 they're still in the sandbox still out there in the wilderness they never enjoy any battles because, you see, they never get into the promised land. There are weak Christians. You can't depend on them to do a work for the Lord. I want you to work for the Lord, to have something for God. Well, look what else he says here. He makes a statement in verse 2, the last part of it. He says, And every wise-hearted man... In whose heart the Lord hath put wisdom, and everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. You see, that's what God's looking for. He's not trying to make anybody do anything. He wants you to want to do something. To want to give. To want to be whatever God wants. You see, most churches, most preachers, we feel like we have, I guess, out in the West where you you lasso this... uh, Little doggy, and you got to pull them in. Do they come willingly? Or do they fight the rope? Do they want to be branded? Lay down, hold still, don't move. And some Christians are just always fighting. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all of God's people had a willing heart? Say, Lord, use me any way you want. I'm not going to fight you anymore. Here I am. I'm yours. I belong to you. Use me. Wouldn't it be wonderful? You know churches would be packed. Mission fields. evangelists, Bible college. Everything rolling. The way God wants it to. But look at something else. I want you to look at verse 5 where it says, And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. Did you, did you read what he just said? They brought more than we need. In verse 6, And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff They had was sufficient for all the work to make it, and too much. Wouldn't it be neat every Sunday? Hey, look, we got so much money we don't need anymore. That's not the case, so don't you take me to heart on that. God, the Holy Spirit, can do things because sometimes, you see, He takes the desire that you have and can develop the talent. God is more interested in character than talent. There's a lot of people who've got a lot of talent. But they're not worth a quarter because they have no character. Character over talent any day. I'd rather have somebody who's faithful with a little talent. than somebody's got all the talent in the world, but they won't use it for God. You see, there's some people, they can't be used because... You see, keep looking back... See what everybody else is doing. Taking opinion polls. What are you, what are you going to do? Well, I'm not going to serve the Lord. Well, you know, I'm not either. Well, there's a man of conviction. I made up my mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. I didn't care what anybody else did. I had to decide for me. Christ died for me. That's all the motive I've ever needed. I don't serve the Lord because I want to get something. I want to serve him because I've already got something. Because of what he hath done. Not because of what he's going to do. For the love of Christ constraineth me because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. And that they which live should not live for themselves, but unto him who died for them. That should be all the motive you need. He saved me. And gave me eternal life. forgave gave me of all my sins. I'm going to heaven because of what he did for me. Maybe that doesn't move you. Maybe it doesn't touch you. But that touches me. That moves me. I want to serve the Lord. You don't have to try to make me do anything. I do what I do willingly. Because the Lord means that much to me. Nobody can make you serve the Lord. It all depends on what He means to you. He means a lot to you. You'll want to serve Him. If He doesn't mean much to you, then you won't. It all depends on your perspective. There's a human perspective and a divine perspective. Do you see you the way God sees you? Look up here. Now, I've been talking to those who know Christ as Savior. And there is a, a commitment that you make in serving the Lord. There's a price to pay. But that's not to get to heaven. Going to heaven is the gift of God. It's not of works lest any man should boast. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. Now God says that he loves us. He hates our sin. But he says we committed the sin and we owe a debt. So we have to pay for it. Eternal separation from God in hell. But God says he loves us and wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. You see, God does not allow any sin into heaven. He says, by your good works, you'll never be good enough. You cannot earn eternal life. That's why you don't go to heaven because, well, I went to church. Or I gave money. I lived a good life. All that has nothing to do with going to heaven. You've already sinned. You're going to hell. All your good works won't change that. Living good for the rest of your life won't change this. You have no hope. Unless it was Christ who came. And he did. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world. He didn't sin. He didn't have to die. But because he loves us. And our sin separates us from Him. Jesus Christ took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross. Came back from the dead and said that if you and I, if we would believe He did it for us, He would put this payment to our account. We get to go to heaven on what Christ did. You don't earn that. You don't work for that. It's the gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ain't that good news? See, that's free. We get to go to heaven because of what he did for us. And there's nothing that you have to do except, just, just, would you just believe that? Believe it. See, if you believe he paid for your sins, then you're not trying to earn your way to heaven. The only reason people believe they have to earn their way to heaven is because they don't believe he really paid for all their sins. They think that their being good helps take care of some of their sins. In one world. So God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did on the cross for me. Let's praise you. Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior would you trust Him right now? Would you just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I believe Jesus Christ died on that cross and paid for my sins. And right now, I will trust him as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, God says if you would trust him, he would save you. He'd give you eternal life. Never cast you out. Never lose you. And you can know that you're going to heaven. See, there's no tricks to that, no gimmicks. If what I've said made sense to you, I'd like to know it. I'd like to have prayer for you, but I'm not going to have you forward. not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sitting, if what I've said made sense to you and you say, Preacher, pray for me. I know I have eternal life because this morning I trusted Christ as my Savior and I want you to know it and I want you to pray for me. Would you just slip in it very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? You that know Christ as your Savior, serving the Lord, there's a price to pay. But serve Him because you love Him. Not because you have to, because you want to. Be a person of a willing heart, a willing mind. Do it because he means something to you. Discipline your life. God will bless you for doing so. And you'd be surprised how God can change your life. What he can do for you. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one. We pray, Lord, that you would grant them the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding they need, that they may walk worthy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.